I have a question about Vampire Hunter D as someone who's never seen Vampire Hunter D. It's good. Watch it. My question is, I have always assumed that the D in Vampire Hunter D stood for Dracula and the show is about Dracula hunting other vampires. Is that correct? No. You're confusing it with the game D. The main character's name is D. And it's not short for nothing? It's not. It, it's short for something, but it's not short for Dracula. Yeah. It's kind of short for something. Are we supposed to think it's short for Dracula? I don't think so. I don't know. I think you're supposed to look at the art and uh, appreciate the uh, the overwhelming freshness of it, because it's, it's just very fresh and beautiful looking. Yeah, that speed racer art. What happened yeah. through, uh, to Vampire Hunters A through C? That's what I want to know. They're dead. Arc system works. Uh, I sure hope it does. <laughs> this is episode 268 of Insert Credit, a relentless smorgasbord of hard-hitting, thought-provoking video game topics prompted every week to the smartest people I know, aided now and as ever by a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and one of my favorite interactions with a fellow video game enjoyer from the past year was meeting comic artist and Insert Credit listener Robert Wilson IV at New York Comic Con, who gifted me with an original drawing of Papaneer, which now stands over my dresser. Aww. Uh, my name is Frank Cifaldi, and uh, my favorite interaction with uh, uh, game enjoyers uh, this year was was every episode of the Insert Credit Show. Ah, oh, thanks, Frank. Delightful. Uh, I, I, I'm Tim Rogers, and my favorite interaction with a video game enjoying person. I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't really been outside this year. <laughs> Same, uh, which is why of... I got the easy answer there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it, we mean like people that are new. I met a bunch of people uh, that I know from Discord uh, that we didn't really talk about video games at all. We just we hung out at like a comedy show thing. Uh, I mean, does that count? Maybe that counts. I traveled I overseas to multiple countries this year. Which ones? Uh, you know, uh, just uh, that's uh, none. All of the clues. That's none. Yeah, none. Your business. Um, went to a whole bunch of places. Uh, however, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really do any any video game enjoying in those places. It was uh, all related to something else. So that's all I know. Uh, thank you. Uh, You're I can welcome. press the thank you button. Hold on. Thank you. There you go. There it was. That's the button. I'm Brandon Sheffield. My favorite Hi, uh, interaction with a video game enjoyer was, uh, let's see, when I was in Nakano this year and hung out with a fellow named Paul, and we were trying to go to my favorite um, bar establishment, which is the, the 80s J-pop bar, where they'll play whatever mm. 80s, 80s J-pop you can... Uh, you can you can write down on a piece of paper and if they can find it on youtube with a live version they'll play it anyway that was closed for a private party and so we had to find another place and we were walking down the street just looking for somewhere to go and uh, as i was walking i made eye contact with a cat that was inside of a bar and it was just sitting on on the bar looking outside making eye contact with potential customers and i was like well i guess we have to go there um, and then we hung out with that cat in that place. And that, that was my favorite. What are that cat's favorite video games? Uh, well, there was like a Lupin the Third, and and also like a um, a Devilman uh, drawing up on the wall. And I don't I don't know if there are any Devilman games, but there is a there's a Lupin one. So m maybe some sort of a Lupin. I'll allow it. Uh, before I begin with our pre-scheduled programming, Tim, is this the week you're cashing in your host chips? No. 
No. All right, then we're going to go on with I said, our... I said sometime next year is what I said, if you recall. Okay. It's not next year yet. Uh, depends when you're listening to this, but sure, we'll check in next year. Well, I mean, foremostly, uh, the listener may have a slightly different impression. However, this is a podcast recorded by people at a specific point in time. That's fair. It, this isn't even a case for usage of the cliched expression for all intents and purposes. For the only purpose, it is not next year right now. Okay. Let let it be known to the listener. Uh, it is it is not next year yet as far as this podcast is concerned. Okay. This is officially our last podcast of 2022. Yeah. I would say that. I'm not okay. going to. Yeah. Let's not talk about 2023 in this podcast, right? I won't. If you don't. That year's gonna suck. I keep thinking it's 2023 <laughs> we'll right now. We'll find out. Here's my first question. What's your favorite tribute to a video game in another video game? Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's a really good question. Thanks. So, yeah, tribute kind of gets rid of the uh, the Galaga in, in the... In the loading screen of Namco Museum, yeah, which, yeah, that's, which a, that's a callback, not a tribute. Um, and that's an mm -hmm. inclusion of another game sure. in another game. It's an inception. The first thing that comes to mind for me, actually, I, I, I don't like that much, but it's more like the version that was in my head that wasn't quite executed to my satisfaction was uh, the Dragon Quest tribute in Like a Dragon. Like, I didn't feel like they took it far enough. Yeah, they did. Like a Dragon Quest. Yeah, they should have taken it all the way. I agree. I think every game should take a Dragon Quest uh, tribute all the way, if you know what I mean, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but it, I get it. You know, it's like, it, it's... There we go. That was sorry. That, the thank you. Somehow thank you. That got yeah. cut off. I don't know what... Yeah. But, you know, this is a game about a guy, you know, having some real life issues and, and sort of coming of age with, like, Dragon Quest as his inspiration. And it's just, you know, there's some little callbacks there's like an enemy that's sort of a metal slime and stuff like that and sometimes he just kind of imagines himself as a, as a hero in a dragon quest game but it's it's almost like half that stuff got cut out of the game or something like it yeah, just feels like well, it's a it's a not quite executed version of, of what the intro promised a, a little more depressingly it feels like maybe it was an idea that was like a throwaway line uh in the game early on and then they did a whole bunch of uh extra work and re re-recorded some dialogue and redid a couple of scenes when they got permission to uh you know reference it as extensively as they did maybe the next one will have even more dragon quest all i'll say is if they turn the dragon quest off completely in the next yakuza game i will be very upset i think that's that's the stance of everyone on this podcast uh definitively thank uh, you uh it's uh it, i will be extremely upset if they walk it back I, I i would be very glad if they crank it even higher uh though keeping it about the same that's the only uh uh you know any less than keeping it exactly the same would make me very upset any dialing down to the dragon quest not gonna take it i mean i'll still play the game and it'll probably be real good but you know you know no what place I mean. to go but up. did we say reference is it reference I said tribute. Tribute. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking about um, in the PC Engine populace. I think the second. Oh, of course. PC Engine. <laughs> There's a uh, there. You can you can play as little bombermans and you and <sighs> the houses are little PC engines and stuff. But I guess that's more. It's not a tribute per se. Is it? I don't know. I'm gonna say I think my favorite tribute of game of one game and another game, which is also uh, quite recent. This is like the most esoteric possible spoilers 
for the ending of Death Stranding. Uh, ah. de- Death Stranding, as we could call it. Though while I was playing that game for review for my Kotaku.com video review that I did, I had a line in there that was like, Death Stranding is Tarkovsky's Super Mario Brothers the movie, the video game, right? And I thought that was a really good throwaway line. And then, you know, I, I built on it with a couple extra words. A man of dubious facial hair who sometimes wears a hat with uh, his name on it. Like you, Sam Porter Bridges can wear a hat that says Porter on it. He wears uh, that acronym clothing that looks very much like what uh, a delivery man would wear in the post-apocalyptic future. Uh, he's shorter than, uh, uh, you know, the 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 the, uh, the the woman, Lindsay Wagner, that he's rescuing, who also has blonde hair, um, et cetera, et cetera. He's got dubious facial hair. I was like, this is a real good joke. He's fighting ghost monsters, kind of like the subspace world in Super Mario Bros. 2, the Mario Madness. And I was I was just very pleased with myself for connecting all those things. And uh, I wrote that sentence and I felt, this is good. You know, I, I just jotted it down in my notes document. And then the god darn ending of the game straight up acknowledges <laughs> it. Uh, and I thought that was very funny. So yeah. the fact that Kojima knowingly made his own Super Mario Bros. Uh, absolute, ridiculous, shriekingly uh, postmodern, psychedelic Super Mario Bros. style video game was very funny. So I think that is was just a masterclass in that sort of thing. Uh, so that's my contribution there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, again, if, if you if 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 you didn't know that about Death Stranding, I'm very sorry. And go on, put a spoiler warning on that. Uh, that was something that was very delightful for me to experience at the end of Death Stranding. So. Yeah, we can put a Death Stranding spoiler in the show notes. Uh, the questions are timestamped. Death Stranding. Yeah. Uh, here's my next question. Let's try to categorize every single type of mission in a video game. I'll start us off with kill the guy, get the thing, escape the place. Okay. Um, escort missions. Yep. Escort Inco, is one. Inco's an escort mission. Escort missions are much maligned. They can, they're actually a pretty good template. Yeah, they can be okay. It's just nobody ever really does them correctly. It's usually the AI that's the problem. I believe yeah. I can sum up 90% of missions with get the key. Yeah, that's get the thing. Like the key is a MacGuffin of some kind, right? But it's like, go do the thing that unlocks the next thing, right? So if we eliminate that, what's left? Uh, escort mission is a subset of escape the place. You're just mm-hmm, escaping mm-hmm. the place with someone else. Yeah, get get to the place on time. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Who is not necessarily escape the place. It's a, it's a timed dealie. That's something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my favorite mission types is a large enemy is approaching. That's a good one, right? Yeah. Oh, escape the enemy. No, just a large enemy is approaching. Kill the enemy, basically. Yeah, kill the guy. Or, you know, survive. Well, does it have to be kill or is it just, I mean, it could be run, right? Deal with the guy. Run away? Yeah. Mm, Deal with the guy. Um, Well, there's also uh, grow X things for for like farming games and stuff. um, Objectives can be like make this many of this. Uh, I suppose you could extend that to all crafting. Uh, Make X, make x number of y that's something isn't that retrieve x keys yeah that's get the thing i don't i don't know it's not it's not get the thing because you may be making it for someone else it's still get the thing it's like i need these things go retrieve those things and you just have to like the way you do it is uh growing instead of like hitting a guy until he turns into it i guess so 
all games are get the key. <laughs> they really are. Well, I mean, they're get the thing. Endure, I think, is a is just one. All the survival well, endure games, is a good one. Yeah, survival uh, or you know, growing things in a farm game. Uh, endure, yeah. traverse. It covers every racing game. Um, you want to just boil these down into single words? Uh, uh, endure, endure, traverse, uh, acquire. Yeah, I was, I was, I was getting there. Endure, right. traverse, acquire, exterminate. I don't know. It's pretty easy. Yeah, the the four food groups. Yeah, that's basically uh-huh. it. I guess keys are food in this in this analogy, right? So there's, there's yeah. different key groups. I mean, if Pac-Man taught us anything, it's keys are food. Pac-Man sucks. <laughs> no, Pac-Man's Pac-Man didn't right. teach me anything. Whatever, Pac-Man's okay. Yeah. Uh, we did it. We categorized everything. The four video game food groups are... And there you go. Hey, yeah, you did summarize it in four sound effects. That's yeah, all of them. That's good. <laughs> Okay, I didn't mean Congratulations. to. Congratulations. That was the, the closest I got to applause on here. Narratively, what is happening to a video game character when they lose a life? Uh, that's an interesting question. It's a timeline reset, right? It's like a it's, hallucination. It was all a dream. It could be a hallucination, yeah. Like, okay, you know what? I think you're right, because a timeline reset would imply that they did not learn from their actions, right? But we as players have learned why we died, so it's not a timeline reset. I'm surprised there aren't more clever implementations of, like, you die in a game, and it's a grisly, grisly death, and then there's a freeze frame, and a quick rewind, and then the camera, like, zooms back around to the main character's face, and he's like, no, I shouldn't do it like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like there was that Prince of Persia game where you don't die. Remember this? Ed Nolan North voicing the prince. It was actually a somewhat interesting video game that it's impossible to play on modern hardware. Um, uh, wait, maybe you can play the Xbox 360 version on the newer Xbox. I'm not sure. Though uh, in that game, you, you couldn't die, and the gamers were up in arms. Was that Sands of Time? No, no. It was, uh, no, it was just called Prince, Prince of, of Persia. Persia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was... They, they made a whole trilogy of games, which, uh, you know, we, you know, we, by which I mean hardcore gamers... Uh, we liked to make fun of the second of those Prince of Persia games. However, I recently replayed all three of them all the way, and I've got to say, um, those are good games. Uh, even the bad one is pretty good, uh, which kind of just shows to go you what the uh, slim pickings are these days, uh, you know. Uh, so it's a, that that Prince of Persia you died. Gamers were up in arms that your character didn't. Uh, there weren't lives, you know. I remember it was they were they were just mercifully escaped the. Uh, the beginning rumblings of Twitter when, uh, when you know, negativity got just there was it's a negativity amplifi- amplification machine. They didn't have the such convenient negativity amplification back then. However, the gamers complained quite hard. Uh, even even so, uh, even without such sinister devices at their fingertips, um, though that game was it was really kind of bland. If you fell off a ledge, you just saw like the girl character who had magic. You saw like her hand uh, in a close up, and then she like grabbed your hand and saved you. But it's like there was no narrative sense to it. It's like they tried to explain it. And I remember playing that game and thinking they should just rewind, show his face, and have him say, "Oh, I shouldn't do that," you know. <laughs> and they really, really messed up by not doing that. And the gamers would have loved that. You know, I can think of a game that does that. Oh yeah, let's hear it. The ending 
segment of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure or whatever it's called. There's an action and an adventure one. Mm -hmm. The point and click one. Uh, The trials leading up to, you know, finding the cup of the carpenter or whatever. The breath of God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All that stuff. I don't remember how it plays out in the game, but like that is the only section of this game where you can quote unquote die you know he he'll, he'll fall through the the cracks on like stepping on the wrong letter or whatever yeah because in latin jehovah starts with an i as we exactly, all know exactly exactly see i would have actually just known that well because you watched the movie yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> that's the joke <laughs> yeah uh, i would have just known that if i were him it's like how we all uh, uh totally knew that you can't read in dreams before that batman episode oh, yeah. oh god don't get me started <laughs> but uh oh, yeah man. after after you quote unquote die it like kind of rewinds to before you did that and he says something you know smart like oh maybe i shouldn't do it that way <laughs> you know so no, that's really it, that, good that has been done yeah I feel like if a modern AAA video game were to do that, it would be a disaster because no one would no one would ever settle for less. Oh, and actually, wait, there's a, I th- thought of another LucasArts example, which is Monkey Island 2. Um, it's introduced as, as Guybrush telling the story of what had happened at the end of the game. Like, that's, that's the start of the game to Elaine Marley. Mm-hmm. And um, there are sections where you die, and then it goes back to him telling the story, and she's like, what are you talking about? You're not dead. And he's like, oh, right, sorry. <laughs> and then it oh, that's goes very back good. to the game. Yeah. Okay, so only those sorts of uh, only those sorts of clever uh, clever people that make the sorts of video games. That... Only Ron Gilbert specifically. <laughs> yeah, only <laughs> clever people who make the clever sorts of video games that certain people will play at formative moments in their life and then never stop telling everyone else to play to a point where they make it so that many of their friends will just never play those games because they're like, my buddy likes those so much. I feel like he's got it covered. So only so that's why that's never made it into the mainstream. The extremely canonized video game character <laughs> death because uh, because you know not enough people play those games because they're too good for everyone to play. You know, I'm like I know a guy who's played all those. You know, I I don't I don't. There's I, like two good ones. Which so which which ones are the good, good ones? If I had to play two of them, what are they? Uh, from the old days. Yeah, from the old days. Old days. Uh, I'm all about the old uh, stuff these days. Loom, Loom and the first Monkey Island. Okay. You know, I've never played that first Monkey Island. Loom, you Loom, you will play through in like an hour and a half and have a beautiful experience. Ooh. Nice. Um, uh, I've never played the first Monkey Island. Do you want to know why? It's because... Pe- oh, because you played it, yeah. And also because people keep asking me if I've played it. So uh, they, they keep asking. Okay, and, just, uh, but the, real quick, if, if people are like, oh, I'm going to play Loom because Frank said, don't get like the GOG version. You need to pirate the original 16 color EGA version. The other one is a remake painted over by other people and literally with dialogue cut so that they could fit it on the CD. Oh, that's weird. And not I pl- supervised by the creator of the game at all. Would it be cool to play the uh, the 16 color EGA version of the game on my 77 inch OLED TV? Uh, it would. Uh, make sure that you are doing the MT32 sound card as well. That's that's the master audio version. Of it. I'll I'll get it all set up. Call me if you need help. I'll, I'll tell you how to play the correct Loom. The correct Loom starts with a black screen and it and it plays uh, uh, Swan Lake for like two minutes and you can't do anything i love swan lake who doesn't love swan lake it's just like sit here and listen to this and as soon as the song climaxes the the title screen just comes out of nowhere it's really cool 
Oh, wow. I love it. When you die in Loom, does the guy go, wow, that wouldn't have been good? <laughs> does he do that? Because that's yeah. actually my prerequisite. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't do that. That's a bad idea. I, do, I don't believe there are death uh, scenarios, unfortunately. Oh, that's, even, that's even better. What video game should get a new remake every year? Mm, every um, year? Every year. I just think, uh, let's forget about remakes for a minute, and let's just say I'm perfectly fine with Nintendo charging me $5 every year for Super Mario Brothers 1. I just think that's a real funny idea. Um, they did it so many times in rapid succession that it's just, it's still funny to me. Um, and I just think it's, 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 what we, it's what we god darn deserve, you know? It's too beautiful to stop paying for it. It's very funny. Yeah, it's just such a, such a good game. What video games should get a new remake every year? Yeah. Um, oh, the, I guess the joke is The Last of Us. Is that the joke that everybody wants to hear? Is that, is that we should have a remake of The Last That's of Us? That's the joke. That's where this spawned from. There was a remake of the game in, in this year, and there's a remake of the game as a TV show in like two weeks, right? So it's like, uh, what's the 20? So 2022 and 2023 are covered uh, for The Last of Us. So 2024, stage play, they're going to make a Broadway. Stage play or movie. You could do a movie as well. Oh, God. Yeah, they're going to do it. Cinem then, you know, 2025, cinematic universe. Do it in VR after that. Yeah. I think the stuff is a VR. A narrative podcast. Yeah. The last of <laughs> us. But the of is spelled O-V and the us is, uh, there's an, there's inexplicably a, a Toys R, R Us R. The last of us. The last of, and then there's a Toys of the last of R Us, so that it's a V and an R. <laughs> yeah, the last of ours. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> so there's a V and an R is, is the joke I'm trying to make. I don't know if this counts, but I, I, I like that we remake uh, sports games every year. I think yeah, it's you fun. should do that. Yeah, I think yeah, you just I continue that evolving that, right? Just but, to... but that's like an update. I mean, it's is it well? Is it? I don't know if it's a remake. Yeah, because the the player stats all change, and uh, and there's like new outfits and stuff that everybody's okay. Wearing. Then I, then I will say that I th I think every year a new studio should make the next Madden. Like I think you should I just like have to imagine <laughs> from scratch what an NFL game is like every time, or not not imagine from scratch. You know, you could play everything that's been done so far but you know i think there's so many subtleties to real life sports games that um are impossible to completely capture in a video game that i want it to be reinterpreted every year i guess what's the what is the boundary box of a remake like if there's if there's new music and new content is it has it oh we've defined beyond? this before we've we've defined a remaster versus a remake on this show oh, yeah, yeah yeah but i don't remember I don't remember how far we could get with changes. You can make more changes with a remake than with a remaster. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, then it should be uh, Ridge Racer Six. <laughs> Rewrite, sure. remake that every year. Give me, give me a new car. Give me some new music, and then, and then I'm good. But uh, by that, by that definition of remake, I think Frank is correct. Then that it's sports games. I yeah, and the every year is what stops me here because um, I'm just thinking like. The, this uh, this update to Fortnite with the whatever they're calling their lighting that's that's really beautiful. It's it's like there are new technological leaps every two years or so that are like worth revisiting a game for. Um, but I don't know about every. Yeah, I mean it would be cool to have like a Boku no Natsuyasumi remake every year, and every year 
it's a uh, it's a new year 30 years in the past it just keeps going one one year forward 30 years ago yeah 1975 1976 1978 yeah. 1970 yeah. 72 1981 they just like sort of like subtly shuffle it around could be good but then they'd have to stop in uh 2001 because of 911 oh yeah mm. oh it's summer of 2001 so 911 hasn't happened yet yeah oh, it's yeah, about okay. and then it's and then right. the ending is the kick <laughs> oh no bus. A bus back to the East Coast. I, and then I met my real father at the World Trade Center. I arrived in New York on September 10th. It would just be horrible and sad. Oh, and uh, it would win probably, it would probably get published by Annapurna. Um, and yeah. uh, it would win, it would win uh, a bunch of awards probably. David Cage would give it a standing ovation. He'd like, never sit down again. <laughs> it would. Uh, it would be good. I think. Oh come on! He only applauds his own games. Oh yeah, he'd probably work true. on it. But at that point, that god darn guy. I'm trying to think. Uh, what game could use a a a, a remake uh, every year? Um, and so we're talking about sports games, and sports games are remakes every year. They're sort I do of think remakes. A, re- a racing game is a good candidate because you can update. You can update cars. You can have new. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. You say Ridge Racer. I would say. Um, you know, I you would have asked me this 15 years ago. I would have been uh, very uh, confident in saying Gran Turismo. Every Gran Turismo game is basically a remake of Gran Turismo, which is part of the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, however, right now, I don't want a remake of Gran Turismo. I don't want a remake of Forza. I don't want a remake of Ridge Racer. I want them to make one game and just continually update it. Uh, the Fortnite model. One perfect racing game. Uh, I want them to just make one game one game and continually update it. You know, let make me pay a $5 a month subscription fee, something like that, right? That's not bad, yeah. I don't think. That's, I believe, the future of video games. It'll it'll, it'll happen in a couple of years, probably. There'll, there'll be something like that up and running. If not, the new Microsoft uh, uh, Forza Motorsport, the non-Horizon one that they're working on right now, uh, seems like that it might be uh, that sort of a model. I think that's a good idea. What do I know? Though? Here's our next topic. Okay. Every time we have a discussion about controllers, it inevitably gets to the topic of the Steel Battalion controller. So mm-hmm. today I would like to ask us to design a second game for that controller. A Steel Battalion, except it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. the, the obvious answer is just a Gundam game because you got a built-in audience then. And, yeah. uh they're going to be really interested in flipping all those buttons and doing all that stuff. So a Gundam game would be good. But I think if indies were also allowed, you could do like a uh, really complicated docking simulator where you're in space and you got to you got to hit all these little buttons and levers and things to try to to dock with a space station. And there could be like a narrative about why you're having to do these things and uh, and subsequently having to then use your docking device to push that space station out of a orbital problem and then whatever and undock and redock, do all these things. There, there's yeah. stuff you could do, but yeah. The cool. Steel Battalion controller itself does not necessarily scream a uh, giant robot. I mean, I guess it does to a certain type of giant robot fan, a uh, certain type of real robot fan, I believe it would be. Um, though I think you could probably use something like that for a spaceship game. Yeah. To me, to me, it evokes cockpit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I feel like if you could make a way to have a way for it to like be represented AR style in a VR headset, such that it's like right in front of you mm-hmm. in the AR, and you can see your hands on it, even with the VR headset on, 
Like you have to sit it on like a green tabletop or something. I don't. I don't think it has to be a green tabletop. <laughs> I don't think the color of the tabletop matters. But it's like if you can have like little, if it can have little sensors on it, so that the the headset knows where it is, and like you can see it in the VR in the cockpit of the thing. I think that's a nice place to start, even though it is a nice looking piece of plastic in uh, in reality in person. Have any of you all played Steel Battalion with the Steel Battalion controller? No, no, and no. One time. Didn't understand what I was doing. You know, we can play it right now at the Maid Museum if we go. Yeah, we should go do it. Interesting. I uh, I played it a couple times. I had a buddy uh, who bought it. It's, you know, you all perhaps know it's difficult as an adult to hang out with the person, right? You know, you gotta have like excuses mm-hmm. to hang out with people, you know, really good ones. They say in your 30s, it's real hard to hang out with friends. Uh, uh, in your 40s, it gets much worse. Um uh, I was already, you know, living in Tokyo is a way to really accelerate that sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> I had a, I, I, I knew people in their 20s who were already where I am right now living in New York in my 40s. So it's, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I somehow was immune, which was fun, though. Yeah, I knew a guy who got Steel Battalion and uh, he's like, you want to come over and play it, dude? And I'm like, ah, I just, you know, I've seen pictures of that controller online. I think I'm all right, you know. But I did. I did go over and play it a couple of times and uh, uh, just barely got to the point where I felt like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Anyway, before the timer runs out, I, I, I kind of want uh, an overcomplicated comedy game with this thing, right? Like, yeah, I, I kind of like oh, yeah. your, your AR VR thing. Um, and so with the personality. Right. So like having, you know, it, it looks like a mech controller. Fine. It doesn't have to be. So it could be like uh, a factory or something that yeah, you're managing. You're controlling right? GLaDOS. Sure, something like that, right? But but Oh man. There's one of the buttons makes the cake real. <laughs> that's right. Whoa. Um, <laughs> that's the one under glass that you have to flip. <laughs> yeah, that, like that's the emergency <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, the cake realizer button. <laughs> you know, tie it into uh, how it's made, the show, right? And and like you have to you have to like actually like make the 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 chocolate bars or whatever. Oh and yeah, really, yeah awful and and it's the the classic uh, i love lucy uh chocolate episode right where they can't keep yeah. on top of the of what's coming out of the factory and you just gotta you're just constantly flipping switches and moving arms and stuff and so if you all think frank's idea can't get any better i got two words for you frank you ready for this yeah justin roiland voice of rick <laughs> and morty whoa is he so he just voiced a gun is he now is he now voicing like a robot arm? Like, oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Whoa, whoa. You should go over here. Are you picking up the chocolates, Rick? What are you, what are you doing with picking up the chocolates, Rick? You got to get it in my mouth, Rick. And he's calling you Rick. <laughs> this controller feels a lot like Steel Battalion. Remember that game, Steel Battalion? This feels a lot like Steel Battalion to me. <laughs> Capcom really made a whole lot of really good games back on the Xbox, Rick. <laughs> Uh, calling himself Rick. That's my my Rick and Morty impression. Uh, you crazy for, for this Rick. one, Rick? I, th- I think I think we found it. I think we found our factory game. Yeah. Yeah. It's got it's got to be VR though. It's got to be VR. Yeah. Well, it's got to be yeah. AR VR, like you said, because you got to be able to see mm-hmm. the physical controller in front of you. Yeah, it's, it's a re- and then your friends who walk in to see you play it, they get to enjoy the beauty of the plastic. You know, because yeah. it is it is a nice looking piece of plastic. Well, it's like you have the headset on with your headphones, right? But like, mm-hmm. um, there is speakers on the headphones that are just just Justin Roiland's voice, so they get to be entertained uh, <laughs> yeah. by his voice 
and you uh, flopping around with the steel battalion controller. Very good. Oh, yeah, your friend very, looks very... really stupid, right? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just projecting well, it out. I guess the answer to this is we got to get Bennett Foddy to make a uh, steel battalion game. Okay, so in the first place, I should say that I haven't played Steel Battalion, uh, but I've looked at some photographs. I'm aware of what it is. It's basically a normal Xbox controller in that it has like two analog sticks. Uh, it has, I guess, three analog pedal axes instead of two triggers, and uh, it, it has a throttle as well, right? So it's got a little bit of extra analog control, uh, and it has just an absolute fuck ton of buttons, right? So when I look at a controller like that, there are basically two games that I see. And one of them is is like to play the game that the controller was designed for. It's kind of in-world uh, for, for that game. The, the, the fiction of Steel Battalion is kind of embodied in the particular placement of all of the buttons and the arrangement of them and, you know, the meaning of them and so on like that. Or you're going to be playing a game where the fun is in not knowing what the controls are, being confused about it and kind of experimenting with buttons right so like that's the the kind of the other kind of fun this the fun of uh knowing and using an incredibly complicated interface and then there's the fun of of trying to use a an interface that you you don't understand that you don't know and i feel like if you're designing a second game for the controller it's just got to be that right like i could i could come up with some kind of weird thing where instead of doing uh a mech combat game uh we try to turn it into like some kind of organic or human type of process where there's like a intentional juxtaposition of the of the control surface and and the game but i don't think that's the most interesting thing i think the most interesting thing is to kind of like figure out how to maximize uh that sense of confusion the sense of of that the alienness or the unfamiliarity of the interface so here's what i would do i would make another tank or mech combat game but it would be multiplayer and you know people love player customization screens especially for multiplayer games you spend hours and hours in that you've played the newest need for speed you definitely see like they're taking that to the ultimate extreme you're expected probably to spend half of your time customizing the vinyls and decals and wraps and paint of your car so this would be like i mean you already get that experience a little bit in mech warrior games any kind of mech combat game usually the loadout is very complicated but in this case i would also allow you to uh customize the controls right so you would you'd be assigning every single button on the controller every axis and uh the other tweak that i would do is to make it a kind of a game where some of the time you're going to be uh driving the tank which has the controls that you laid out that you're really familiar with and some of the time you're going to be trying to drive somebody else's tank uh there's a game from 1976 uh by the meadows corporation called laser command which is which is just like a really simple version of this is two players you're on a map with uh with something like 20 tanks right you know you've got some of them are in your own base some of them are scattered around the map and you try to blow up the other person's tank but if you blow up their tank you also have to like they they kind of eject out of it and they're running around little man and you have to try to run them over or shoot them because they can get back into another tank so there's kind of like a system where they're sort of like your lives in a sort of soft way but i can also take your tanks out of your base uh and take them over so it would be a little bit like this so let me let me pitch you the the what i would do with this controller uh, basically, you know, we, we spend, you know, hours or whatever before we go online configuring a few, like maybe more than one, maybe like, let's say three or four different tank loadouts. And each one has its own special arrangement of controls. Uh, so you probably you're using the, the, uh, sticks for movement and, and aiming just like an original steel battalion, but maybe not, but definitely you're, you're rearranging all of the buttons, what they all do. 
And we get dropped into a multiplayer map, which is where, where your three or four tanks are just in different locations on the map, right? Like maybe it's randomized, maybe not. But when I'm like, so I, I'm fighting you, I'm trying to blow you up. I can choose to kind of blow up your unmanned tanks if I want as a, as a target, or I can try to blow up the one that you're currently in. If I blow up your tank and you manage to eject, you're like a little guy in a jetpack. You can run uh, and try to get into one of your other tanks. Or you can decide, like, maybe that's too difficult to get. Maybe you try to get into my tank, and then you can use my tank against me. But I've set up my own control system for the tanks. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll put the eject and self-destruct button where you expect the fire button to be. Or, uh, you know, maybe the dump fuel button. We can have a lot of different functions that might not be... Uh, useful in a certain situation. And there'll be a meta between us as you start to kind of get used to where I put certain functions. And maybe I am aware that you've figured it out and I kind of trick you by putting like a self-destruct button where you expect the fire button to be, that kind of thing. So on top of like a normal, like a steel battalion type multiplayer tank or mech combat game, we've got this kind of mind game of like, first of all, trying to figure out how your opponent has laid out their tank controls and try to use it but also trying to trick the other person when you're laying out the tank controls to kind of booby trap it and make it uh, make it more difficult. I think that would be kind of amazing. That would be a kind of amazing take on the Steel Battalion controller. Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time, as we do every week, to go to the dirt bag. This is the point of the show where I take one of the questions submitted to us by the patrons at patreon.com slash insert credit. Mm -hmm. For just dollars a month, you can get access to that form, uh, get a feed with monthly bonus episodes and other exclusive surprises. Uh, this week's question comes from Supam, who asks, what is the absolute minimum length a game has to be to no longer be considered short? Interesting. Interesting. I guess yeah. according to Valve, the answer is two hours, because that's uh, the time past which you can't refund it. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's at least a metric that we can can go by. So longer than two hours is like a is a like a financial definition of longer than short. So I've recently played through a whole bunch of video games. Uh, this is what I do. I play video games all the time. Um, I'm gonna say I'm willing to call a game short if it is under twelve hours long. That's half of a calendar day. Um, uh, and it's like a short game. I don't believe. I mean, there's short games, and then there's like one sitting short games i feel like there should be a more convenient term for it there's games like a short hike that you play through in a single session right i feel like a short game can take me a week if it's a week and uh i play it for two hours a day and i'm done with it i think that's a short game yeah it's hard uh, it's hard for me i mean the it doesn't quite work for me because like if if something's twelve hours, I could be like, oh yeah, it's a pretty short game. You can get into it because I'm. I feel like in that context, I'm trying to like tell someone that this game that seems like it's really big is actually not that long. But I, yeah. I feel like that's not that's not like really short. Like short would be two or three hours. I could beat it in one sitting or two. Well, like I mean, Silent Hill Two is under twelve hours. I don't consider that a short. Yeah, I don't know. I think I consider like Metal Gear Solid One a short game. Maybe the if you play it after the first time, maybe. But I feel like the first time you play it, it doesn't really. I mean it. Uh, I mean it's it's economical. It's fast paced. So another thing I've been doing a lot of recently is is going back through and watching a lot of six episode miniseries that are all six. Six episodes is like a real sweet length 
for a limited series, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that's more like six hours. Is that the right length? It's like six hours for a mini series. I figure a video game, double that, and you get the 12 hours. Maybe that's where I came up with that number. I'm not sure. Uh, I just think, you know, when when people start to have a conversation about games, when people mention a game as being short, when someone asks for recommendations of a short game, right, uh, it, it never, like, okay, you'll see people on, on social media all the time be like, I don't know, I'm in the mood to play a short video game. What's a short video game? And and the very first game that everybody mentions is A Short Hike uh, to this day. I saw this like three days ago. Um, you know, I don't know what happened today or yesterday or, or, or two days ago, though. Uh, three days ago, I saw a guy ask for recommendations of short games. It's in the name, dude. There were, it's right immediately, in the name. Yeah, I know. It's very temptatious, I suppose, for people to just say A Short Hike. So it ends up getting recommended a hundred sometimes. And I really liked a short hike. It was good. Um, though I feel like there's just so many video games out there, you know? Mm-hmm. There's games like Berwick Saga that will eat up 300 hours of your life. There's games like Civilization, which you might plunk around a single session, you know. The right parameters might take you just a couple hours to get through. Though uh, uh, what kind of freak isn't going to play a civilization game a hundred times through you know uh like it's not going to spend a hundred some hours on it does that make it a short game uh that you just repeat play a lot because it's different every time i don't think so there's just so many different types of video games and there's so many triple a video games and there's so many triple a video games that advertise their length that it's gotten now to a point where you will see people say i really liked that new god of war because it was real nice and short and it's like 20 hours long you know yeah like uh, people are starving for shorter games out there and meanwhile there were people out there uh, just talking tough in social media and comments about how they're going to boycott such and such game because it's less than 95 hours long or whatever it's like i'm not paying 69.99 for a game that's less than 100 hours long and it's like there's this weird sort of uh just uh, just a a god darn potpourri of of, of mixed messages, you know, as regards what's a short game, what's a long game, what's the right length. Um, I really think price has something to do with it. So, okay, okay, let's let's re- let's refine this here for a full price triple A video game that's sixty dollars. If I had to say what I think the best type of video game in the world is, are you ready? The best type of video game for me personally these days is a 12-hour-long $60 game. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, and, I, yeah. and I'm with you. Right. Yeah, that's exactly I, I So we're looking those. at 5 DPH. Yeah, if something is uh, 25 hours long. or So, okay, yeah, so for example, The Last of Us Part 2. Last of Us 1 is about 10 hours in length. I consider that a pretty short game. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm not saying that's my ideal video game, uh, though, you know, the length of it is pretty good. Uh, the remake is is actually like much much longer because the cutscenes are are much slower and more violent and there's more. No, I'm just kidding. I was trying to make up a joke. Um, the Last of Us Two was uh was like 25 hours long and uh, it was it, there were a lot there's a lot of yelling about The Last of Us Two saying it was way 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 too long, which is really interesting given you know how how we equate length with value. A lot of people equate length with length of game with value these days. So The Last of Us 2 had this weird weird conversation happening about it being too long, even though it's only 24 hours long. So that's that's weird to me simultaneously. I feel like the 
discussion of length has actually gotten wrapped up in discussion of pacing accidentally because I, I oh, think yeah. that some games like perhaps Last of Us 2 uh, feel too long because of pacing and other games feel short because their onboarding is so quick. I think that a lot of the time when people are like, what's a short game I can play? They actually mean, what's a game where as soon as I start, I'm actually playing the I'm game. Playing I'm playing a game. Going yeah. Game. Yeah. I think that's definitely not, not part of it. Yeah. And I think part of why like El- Elden Ring, nobody would say it's a short game, but I don't think people would complain about it you're being in there. too long because you're as soon as you start playing it, then you're playing it. So Elden yeah. Ring also is a miraculous example of you don't need to come within 20% of beating it to get what I earnestly believe is your money's worth out of it, which is, which is neat. Um, that's, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a, a, a lesser talked about byproduct of the quote unquote difficulty is, uh, you can feel like, yeah, I got, I got my money's worth out of that game. Uh, meanwhile, so, okay. Games like the, the modern open world games, uh, especially the Sony brand ones, they all tend to have exactly one hour on ramps. Uh, I, I determined this with, uh, quite a ferocious amount of science. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got it captured. I've got multiple playthroughs from multiple people. Uh, it's it's more or less uh, one hour to get through uh, until you're in the open world and you now have three missions to choose from, usually three missions, right? Very, very unique to those games. It's very clearly that's the workshopping they're going for. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two throws all of that out the window. And uh, I honestly think, you know, you want to talk about pacing. Uh, we could have a conversation some other time on what's good pacing versus bad pacing. Um, Last of Us Part Two's pacing is phenomenal, um, but it's phenomenal for like a book, you know? It's like not mm. phenomenal for a modern video game. It is like three hours before you get to the beginning of the game. You're playing the whole time. You are playing it is very clearly a game you are playing and you are making, you know, you, you, you're making moment to moment gameplay decisions and such. But it is it is very much three solid, straight, interactive hours of you're not even in the game yet. So I guess that's also part of it. Yeah, I'd say 12 hours for a triple A game. And uh, are we all on board with that? I like 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. 10, 12. Yeah. I, I wanted to say 10 as well, but 12 works too. I, I yeah, just like 12 because it it's, it's half of a calendar day. Well, yeah. I, okay. I, I think 12 is sort of ideal, right? But does that make it short, right? I, I So I actually think 12 is the sweet spot. And I think 10 is like right on the border of like, oh, it's too short. The the number that sticks out for me, if uh, we're not talking about 60 hour games now, but the number that sticks out for me is seven hours as like a, a, a short digestible game because I could conceivably beat it in a weekend um, mm-hmm. if I was really liking it. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's kind of my number, but I don't think you could get away with a seven hour, $60 no, video game not for $60. at this point. No, seven hour, $70 game. That's easy math for people to say that's $10 an hour. Uh, there you go. No, yeah. 70, so, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, taking into account. And I mean, I've, I've done a lot of, I'm not going to get into too much of the details here though. I've done a lot of frame counting and uh taking into account character the typical character movement speed typical combat rhythm of a game that has guns in it resident evil 8 is a really good game to look at if you want to look at a short quote unquote short video game pacing like the combat rhythm uh movement speed the the exact amount of backtracking and traversals so it's a yeah I, i just i think resident evil 8 there you go that's a good short 
quote-unquote short video game if anybody needed one. Man, those Resident Evils, I've been thinking about that recently, not to completely derail, but I'm doing it. Um, Go for it. I've been been thinking about those games and why um, 4 and 5 are the only two that I've beaten, and I've beaten 4 multiple times, and the others I have not beaten. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think for me, it is that the survival aspect the fact like the idea of zombies standing back up or you running out of ammo is dramatically diminished in those games they ru- they go in the action oh, yeah, direction that's, that's an understatement so much, there, obviously yeah, yeah for yeah. sure and uh and then all these remakes of the originals which i do like more than the originals actually like the re- remake of resident evil 2 i i enjoy it a bit more uh they all have like a Mr. X or, or some sort of a nemesis-like creature that is following you around so you can never relax. You can never be like, okay, I cleared this area of enemies and now I can go around and explore. To me, that's what keeps me from finishing Resident Evil games. And uh, But I guess for a lot of other people, that's what keeps them engaged with Resident Evil games. I, I'm i curious about this because, Frank, I think that 4 is probably the only one you finished as well, right? Right. Um, it's also the only one I've ever purchased. So interesting. Interesting. So it's, it's not really a good amount of data for me. <laughs> there's a uh, there's some real for any aspiring uh, video game design uh, the thinker about her. Uh, there's a whole lot of really neat stuff in Resident Evil's one, two, and three that uh yeah. I'm, I'm, I know I hesitate to use the word unfortunately. It is unfortunately locked to those original versions. Um, yeah, it's, they're, they're very the speedrunny in a way. They're they're like yeah. uh, about route finding and uh, redoing, and uh, this time I'll try this and that kind of stuff, which is neat for me to think about. I would advise you to f- find a buddy who has played them um, and uh, sit around, smoke some weed, you know, or whatever, yeah. and uh, th- have your buddy just kind of help you coach you through it. Um, and that's that's like a neat way to play. Resident Evil. I had a buddy in Japan who who was a big Resident Evil buff, and uh, he just kind of coached me through a playthrough of uh, of uh, two and three. And I'd played all of them before, so having a buddy coach me through it was real fun. You know, it kind of seems to me that if uh, the Resident Evil series wanted to open up a bit more, they could, with how well put together these things are at this point, they could have like I don't know accessibility options where you can turn off Mister X and turn off zombies coming back to life and the game would still be very good and then it would be playable by two different sets of person we're about five years out from accessibility options reaching their apex of power yeah so look everybody look forward to that the whole play the game for me option is going to happen um and it's going to be beautiful we have a little bit of that in hyper gun sport you play this part it's already twitch here is our next question before the lightning round what is the Whitney Houston's cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You for the soundtrack of the film The Bodyguard of video games? So somewhat more popular than the original. Oh, it's a gun sport. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's better than Dogpatch. <laughs> Dogpatch sucks. And I guess Stadia is the bodyguard that you made it for. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. I just turned on my TV this morning. And my TV had popped, a, it popped a news update 
which I, I really wish I could turn it off because my TV should not be allowed to advertise about me n- stuff. About Gunsport? Well, no, it, oh, I'm getting there. Oh. And, you know, it, it'll pop something like, get three free months of Apple TV Plus if you oh, give I us know, your I email know. address. No, I got the same exact pop-up. I know where this is going. Yeah, oh. yeah. so yeah. a pop-up that was like, Google Stadia is no longer supported by this television. Okay, do you have an LG? <laughs> yeah, LG C10. Uh, did you notice that they actually misspelled it and it was Stata? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I tried to take a pic of it. I, I scrambled for my phone, and then it was too late because they blinked by so fast. So it was just like, wow. I was like, wow, that's that's dark. Uh, they're just uh, they just stepped on the hose. They just they just snipped the hose there. Man, poor Stadia. Was that also how you found out that your TV had a Stadia app? Yes, yes, it absolutely, yeah, absolutely was. was. Yep, same um, thing. Yep. Yeah. What a missed opportunity. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it really seems so, like there should have been an ad that's like, "Hey, you can play Assassins." I don't you know. You can play lots and lots of 4K 60 video games on here. Yeah, yeah. They had Assassins Creed on there. They had Assassins Creed. They had Cyberpunk. They had yeah. Cyberpunk. It was the best best way to play Cyberpunk for well, a while. I, I knew they had Assassins Creed. I was just trying to think of like what would attract just a TV owner who doesn't have a game console to go. Ooh, yeah. Maybe Cyberpunk was the one. Maybe yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've got the best way to play Cyberpunk right here, uh, taking up my entire living room floor right now as I put it together. (laughs) It's just it's just a frying pan to knock yourself out. Um. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot bigger than the Google Stadia. Uh, That's my new PC uh, that I'm I'm putting some solid state drives in it. Oh, nice. Uh The uh, the Stadia dev kit was pretty big. Oh, was it? Well, that makes sense because I mean they you know it's uh, it's running on these nice computers uh, owned by Googly. Yeah, Google can just say, uh, we don't want to, this was fun for a couple minutes. And then some guy got a promotion, probably. It's probably what happened. 96 people uh, got moved to other departments, and then one guy got uh, his salary doubled. That's probably what happened with Stadia, right? Yeah, it's too bad I wasn't that guy. Yeah. should have doubled my salary. Would have been nice. You weren't on the inside. You weren't a company luncher. It's true. You were just uh, some insect outside the net, for for better or for worse, right? Lumpany cruncher. Yeah, company launchers, man. Uh, so did Brandon make the I Will Always Love You a video game? <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot yes. about that. Yes, I'm uh, Whitney Houston. Well, okay, what other video game covers have there been, right? Covers. Death yeah. Stranding, of course, for Super Mario That's Brothers. actually just an interesting question in itself. I mean, this is just a, a really complicated way of asking about video game covers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a movie that popularized the song. If it weren't mm-hmm. for the movie, there wouldn't have been the song. The original song didn't have a movie. It's got to be um, a cover, not not a clone or a hack or whatever. Yeah, it's got its own flavor. So a spiritual successor counts, right? I'd mm. say so. Yeah. So, I, so what, pick the best Kickstarter thing, right? Like, uh, oh, God, yeah. I love Kickstarter, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodstained Ritual of the Night was not mm. necessarily more no. popular than uh, Castlevania no. Symphony of the Night. No. It was not. It was kind of going the other way. Still pretty okay, though. I played that game right till the final boss. You want to hear my story about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? Here it is. It's very quick. I do. When I was I was talking about it, I was like, I don't like the name of that game. And Jason Schreier, uh, a buddy of mine, was like, uh, he was like, why not? And I'm like, it's just, it's so weak. And he's like, what's weak about it? And I said, I don't know. It just kind of, it feels like passive voice. And then he goes, it's not passive voice. And I was like, it feels like passive voice. And he's like, what does that mean? And then we just had a good lull about it. That's my story about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. You're saying that it should have been called Bloodstainer. 
Blood stainer. Yeah, something like that, right? Who rituals the night. That actually does sound better, yeah. I mean, stained by blood would be passive voice. I know that. I'm a grammar guy, okay? I think they should have taken the E out and it should have been blood stained with the band stained. Oh, mm, yeah. yeah. On the soundtrack. I think that would have been way better. Or, or it could have just been blood stained with an apostrophe <laughs> N-T. That's the British version. My dog's here. <laughs> did you hear him? Yeah, he's meowing hey, away. What do, you, what do you want, buddy? What do you want? What is? What do you want, buddy? I like my dog. He's so funny. He's hilarious. Bloodstained? Is that it? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, it's not, it's it's not the answer to that question, but it's it's a funny <laughs> thing to say. Bloobastaint? Is that what they could have called it? Bloobastaint. Oh wait, I know what it is. It's Demon School. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's Steven. It's another Brandon Sheffield game. That's right. You truly are the Whitney Houston of video games. We're going on our lightning round. It's time for us to play Game FAQ and A's. Uh, every video game on the website Game FAQs has a Q&A board where users of the website can submit their own questions about that game that are usually kind of short one-line questions with more details if you choose to open them. I don't choose to open them. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you some of these questions that people have asked on the Q&A's board for a game on Game FAQs, and you're going to give me your answers to help these people. Accuracy does not count. Pithiness does. Uh, the game we are doing this week is Fortnite. Okay, good one. First question. Why is my ping going up? Oh, that's because you're streaming movies at the same time. Idiot. That's because your penguin learned how to fly, is what I would say. That's why your ping's going up, yeah. Brandon? Uh, I was also searching for a penguin joke. So. Yeah, okay. mine was mine was real Question. bad, and I love it. Question two. Where is a good place to grind for experience and money? Burger King. The old mill. Be Come on, mine was good. Burger King. Yeah, yours is, yours is Thank good. You. All right. Question three. <laughs> How can I enjoy Fortnite and the content it has to offer without subscribing? YouTube. Yeah, Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, Tyler too. Ninja Blevins. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, what I want, Renegade Raider or I Will Hurt You? I Will Hurt You. What? What you want? Um, well, is it a threat? Are they saying they want that first thing or they'll hurt me? I don't you know. Want, you want I Will Hurt You. That's what you want. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that is yeah. what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the heart wants what it wants, you know? Where is Sludgy Swamp Bunker? <laughs> it's on the uh, Florida Discord. <laughs> Both accurate. Yes. Uh, how does this happen in boats? <laughs> Bouncily and uh, with some seasickness. Mm -hmm. uh, who or what summoned the Storm King? Oh, that was me. Cliffy B did. Cliffy B did. Yeah. Because he created Fortnite. That's that's Except about for, right. Like, Cliffy B did. I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. I don't care. By transitive property. Where's my Hulk Smashers? <laughs> uh, the kids to the toy aisle at Target. Yes, yeah, I don't know if they still make them, though, so it might be more like a thrift store. <laughs> your mom stuck them in the attic and uh, won't let you have them until you brush your teeth. <laughs> Does anyone want to be my friend? No. <laughs> you know what? I, I, everybody needs a friend. Yeah, so that, I so, think that somebody was... does. The answer is somebody does. Yeah, come on, Tim. Yeah. Come on. Someone wants yeah. to be yeah. Surely come... someone wants to be his friend or her friend or their friend. Here, here, here's something. Um, consider adopting a dog from your local shelter. Yeah. Or just consider doing a lot of work for people for free, uh, and then they'll they'll <laughs> then they'll be your friend. They'll be obligated to invite you to their wedding or whatever. <laughs> Our last question: Can someone help fix my brother's errors? 
<laughs> um, well, I'm not your brother's keeper either, buddy. So uh, that's yeah. what I would say. Try uh, your mom or your dad or your sister. Well, and there's a lot of uh, really talented um, um, people, uh, usually around uh, the Hollywood area, uh, who can who can fix your brother's errors. Sure. Oh yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, Frank, I'm declaring you the winner of this week's episode. Congratulations, right. Frank. Cool. <laughs> Why not? Um, you can carry that burden to next week. But uh, in the meantime, oh yeah, I won't be here next week. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I will figure I'll that be, out. I'll be at Magfest. Okay, we'll we'll try to get somebody to substitute for you. A whole festival for for magazines? Yeah, that just makes sense Weird. I'd be there, right? It does. Yeah, yeah it's on brand. Better than Nagfest. Uh it's time for us to do our recommendations. Does oh, anyone wait, have really anything quick. Like to So this isn't a recommendation, but last time we talked, um uh I revealed to the show that I was uh, playing Yakuza Kiwami. Mm-hmm. Um good show. I'm st- good still game. playing that. Still playing that. Um but yeah. We also talked last time about uh, the English dub of the first Yakuza, so I kind of got curious and looked into it, and um, I was so excited when I read that they cast Mark Hamill as Majima. I was like, yeah, the Joker, oh, yeah. of course, of course. I thought I mentioned that. Uh, and then, he uh, yeah, I, uh, he's fantastic. Well, I don't agree. I looked up a video, and it's like, wow, okay. It's like someone had the idea that we should cast the Joker, and then when it came to recording time... Someone subdued him. He didn't really commit. Yeah, yeah. Like, he he was not. He wasn't being Mark Hamill. Like like I, I I'm convinced that that guy, if you let him cut loose, he becomes the Joker. Like someone was telling him no, calm down over and over until he just gave a really I thought pretty flat performance. Han Solo was in the room. I also feel like he might not have understood the character very well because I feel like it might not have been uh, spelled out very well. And, I, I uh, agree, and like probably didn't like play him the Japanese voice or anything. Like someone had the right idea. Like I think there was a yeah. miscommunication. Is my point right? Like I think someone actually went, yeah, cast the Joker, and they someone got him, and then the voice directing came, and that person wasn't involved. Is kind of what well. It so what? Like to me. So if if you if you I mean I'm not gonna say play the actual game or whatever. Whatever. If you if you if you uh, get to the end of Yakuza Kiwami and it's your favorite game of all time, mm-hmm. then go ahead and play Yakuza on the PS2. I probably uh, yeah. uh, they are definitely in the original. Okay, so in Yakuza Kiwami, they have more uh, orthodontically aligned it with the the tone that the series gradually drifted into. Right, mm-hmm. they've taken the original game and they bent the tone to to fit the new style, right? So the original Yakuza and Yakuza 2, uh, Yakuza's 1 and 2, were written by uh, uh, Seishu Hase, a, a Japanese crime author who had written a bunch of crime fiction bestsellers. And it has a very decidedly different tone. It, mm-hmm. it has more of a Yakuza movie tone, whereas the games later morphed into this incredible Japanese television uh television drama tone where it feels more like tv Wait, so is kiwami the the uh is, is this the i will always love you i mean it could mm. be. Oh, it might be yeah could be it is much more popular different tone different feel much more popular much more popular yeah but, yes, it, but it's mean, by could... the same people so it is that, by the same I think people that, that kind of gets rid of the cover aspect there's some yeah. of the no no the writers are different the writers are different so that's something. it is no longer written by the original crime novelist who only and wrote the first two. And I guess the performers two. are different. So maybe Very it, interesting. Maybe it does it. So there, there is, there's a reason that uh, Mark Hamill is subdued in there. It's because they're going for a decidedly more like, like genuine, like cinematic feel. Sure. Uh, it, it's, it's not, 
it's not supposed to feel like a cartoon. They don't. They didn't want it to feel like a cartoon. Well, how well they succeeded, to what end, and uh, uh, did they, you know, philosophically, what really happened there? We, I don't know. But uh, it, it's, it's got a sort of a tone and a texture of its own. It's not necessarily the best thing ever, but uh, it's interesting that he's in there, and uh, it's just, it's another Mark Hamill performance that is uh, slightly different. The guy has some range. He does. From Luke Skywalker to Joker and. Uh, Majima's somewhere a little toward the Joker side. Yeah, maybe he was watching Battles Without Honor and Humanity and was trying to trying to evoke that instead of getting into the the more over the topness. I wouldn't have got. put it put it past him to have seen some of those movies. He's probably seen a whole bunch of them. I think he might be kind of cool. I'm pretty sure Possible. he is. Yeah. Yeah. Just gonna throw that out there. Recommendations? Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? I'll do a couple. Um, I I, I came across the song called. Uh, She's Bad by ICJ. That's true. That's J-A-Y-E. And um, it's cool. There's a specific mix of it that I, I can't find, but you'll you'll still get the idea if you listen to it. It's very, very Jet Set Radio, way before Jet Set Radio. It, it sounds so much like that, that if you're, if you're into that kind of music and want to hear that from someone who's not a big weirdo, uh, check, check that one out. So that's a good song. Check that out. Here, here's here's an anti recommendation. If you are a a if you enjoy the Star Wars, uh, specifically Deep Space Nine, do do not watch Star Trek. The uh, Star Trek, <laughs> my brain. Yeah, Star Trek. Don't watch the the Deep Space Nine documentary. What we left behind because um, ha- have you seen this? Any of you? No. Mm-mm. I ain't okay. Seen well, it. it's it's a documentary about the making of Deep Space Nine. The first fifteen minutes are about how nobody liked the show and how everyone's so upset about it. Oh, and uh, what? First of all, that was not my experience and second of all, it's like this is a sh- this is a movie for the people who liked it. So like we don't need to spend 15 minutes complaining about how nobody likes the show. What? Um, I I've, I've never seen I mean I've seen a little bit of Deep Space Nine but I've never like sat down to watch it, watch it, you know? And and um my experience with anyone who has watched that show is that they love it and maybe yeah. even like it more than Next Generation. So I've That's never right. heard anyone say they don't, they specifically dislike Deep Space Nine. Apparently in the 90s, the press thought it wasn't as good as, as Next Generation. And okay, that's what they reacted to them. for 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, that was weird. Uh, Avery Brooks, not really in it. They, they grabbed some footage of him from somewhere else, which doesn't really, uh, doesn't really do it. They're like trying to build, like, what would the, if there were a uh, a sixth season of the show, what would the first episode be? And they basically just like roll in all the stuff that I don't like about the show. <laughs> and they're oh, like, boy. yeah, we got to start it in the bar with Vic Fontaine. And it's going to be about religion. And it's going to be about all these issues. And it's like, man, chill, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> don't do any of that stuff. Anyway, um, but the 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 when I stopped watching it, is when they were talking about how Kira, who's like the, she's she she's a major there, the leftover from the 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 occupation. Um, they were like she was a terrorist technically, and so and that was so daring to do on TV. And then they have a whole segment where they're like, yeah, you we couldn't have done that after nine eleven. What it? Wh- who is this for? <laughs> what a what eighty year old grandpa? Sounds like for? it's for the people who made it. It was that is exactly who it's for. It was only for the people that made it. Anyway, so don't watch that if you like that if you like that show. Um, but do watch 
the movie Wormwood Road of the Dead, which is an Ozploitation, like, zombie apocalypse kind of thing that uh, just keeps moving along, keeps changing protagonists, has a lot of really goofy, over-the-top stuff. It's like the kind of movie that doesn't really get made anymore. It was about um, almost 10 years ago at this point. But it's a movie that really ha- has that kind of movement and arc and uh, keeps keeps trying to surprise you or throw something new in there. And uh, it, it's the kind of movie that people wish got made a lot these days and just doesn't get made anymore. So uh, mm-hmm. give that a look. Wormwood. Worm. Road of the Dead. Um, that's what I have. Any last thoughts? Mm. Like before I die? Yes. Uh, we're all dead at the end of the show. Probably regret. <laughs> uh, I've got no regrets. Well, I have a few, but then again, too few to mention. Here are yeah. some recommendations I have. Uh, I would like it if you went to the insert credit page on iTunes and you rated and reviewed it for us. We're getting a lot of nice reviews. I'd like to see some more. It helps out the show and it helps me out when the skies are cloudy and gray. You can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, listen to monthly bonus episodes, and get other exclusive stuff. You could also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com or look for insert credit on YouTube. This show is edited by Esper Quinn <laughs> with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And you may now deploy the Cake Realizer. God, the cake realizer, dude. That's a good one. <laughs> mm. Love it. Yeah. Press the button to make the cake real. <laughs>